Hey. Hey. How are you? I'm doing all right. This week feels very long, to be completely honest, but I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Making it, making it through, you know? <laughs> Your hair looks good, though. I love the, the length journey. Thank you. Yeah, today, it's always like literally one day feels like I've turned a corner. So it's today. I'm just like, oh, okay, I have different hair now. It's great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, we'll keep it nice and fun. So hopefully you can lift your spirits a little. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about the mikvah. Yes. Um, I feel like Jesse and I have been so super excited to talk about mikvah because like we've been talking about it as just like people for a while. <laughs> yeah. And like we've been planning to talk about it with like making menches. So I'm very excited that it is finally happening. Um, I have probably way too many things to say about this. I'm so excited. I want to learn everything. But I was thinking maybe we could start off with, like, what is, like, the first time that you ever heard about the mikvah and, like, what was or what has been your understanding of mikvah up until maybe, like, five years ago? Um, so my understanding, my mom is a convert, so I actually knew some some things about a mikvah, but not, like, I had never been to one or anything. Um, I had known that she had gone into, like, a pool of water I was young enough to know that like being naked in a pool of water for someone else is like <laughs> like oh my god scary um <laughs> but I did not like really know much about the significance of the water or anything so I think I just knew that it was something people do when they convert to Judaism and mm -hmm. that was it that was really all I knew what about you when did you first hear about it I mean honestly as I asked that question I was like when did I first hear about the mikvah? I feel like I had like heard of it maybe in passing just generally around like, oh, and other sects of Judaism, people do this like when they get their period. Um, and it's like menstruation and it's kind of like, like not very feminist of Jews or of people who do that, or it's not a very feminist part of our Jewish history. Um, and then I took a course on like Jewish feminism or Jewish feminist thought in undergrad. And we had to like explore a topic of Judaism that was interesting to us. And that's when I learned about like reimagining the mikvah and like all of the various ways that mikvahs are now used um, as like sites of change and transformation. Um, and that just like really stuck with me. And I thought that was really cool because I really like like reimagining old potentially harmful traditions and sort of like reclaiming their purpose and I think the idea at the core of mikvah is like really beautiful and cool so um yeah I I just sort of have like thought about it a lot of times since then shared it with a lot of people since then because I think it's a really cool ritual um have you ever done the mikvah yourself I have not to this day I have not have you I haven't, but um, I actually just filled out a form for Immerse NYC. They're a mikvah in New York. Yeah, so cool. I'm sure they came up in your like research on mikvah. That 
like mm-hmm. sort of has embodied this reimagined Bikva. Um, and just with like finishing my master's program coming up and also like turning 25, I know I'm a baby Jesse, but like, you know, that like quarter life, like absolutely mm-hmm. <laughs> shift. Um, yeah. And just like so many transformations I feel like I've gone through over the last like 14 months. I was like, I actually had, this was also a tangent, but I, I had like a intuitive tattooing session with a very awesome tattoo artist mm-hmm. um, who, what? I said, cool. That was awesome. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, she offers like starting her sessions with like meditations that she sort of like walks you through because very spiritually knowledgeable, wise, has a lot of like practice. Um, and something that came out of that was her being like, I need you to be in water and I need you to do an intentional ritual around like these shifts in your life. And I was like, well, we've been talking about the mikvah so much oh, and cool. like what a wow. more perfect and also she's Jewish so like I don't know all these things overlap wow. and I was like I'm just gonna go for it and finally like figure out how I'm gonna do this so I'm very excited about that and can't wait to share about my experience with y'all oh that's amazing we have to do a follow-up then after you've gone and like just yeah yeah cool give everyone the rundown so anyway I see in the like our little research doc, you have a little bit of background stuff. Yes, it's really short. It's not important. I want to center your research and your work because you've been building this for so long. So wherever you want to go with it, it's really okay. That can wait till the end or whenever. It's not as important. I would, I would love to start us off with it just because I think like grounding it and, you know, whatever like text or tradition is awesome and we can sort of like build from there and go over all the cool ways it's been used since then cool 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 um so i don't have much but what i do have um is based on some records from the talmud um which suggests that in after um the destruction of the second temple and there was the um kind of diaspora of people jewish people out of the Holy Land, there was uh, a lot of reinvention of practice. And some of this um, suggests in two instances that um, when communities in the diaspora could not afford to build both a synagogue and a mikvah, the mikvah was prioritized, which is really mm-hmm. cool to me. Wow. Because yeah, any really any cool. time that we're like decentering the synagogue, I'm like, okay, why? Tell me more. Um, so yeah. I think um, just that having that evidence and not that we need archaeological evidence for anything, but that it really um, speaks to, um, you know, some potentially harmful elements of it, right? Is, is that like, well, we need to purify the women, of course, but in a way that we could reinterpret that to mean like, there is something more than the commitment to God. And it's this like commitment mm. to the land, a commitment to water and commitment to kind of interacting with nature, which I think we've talked about a, a bunch of times before. Um, so I thought yeah. that was really cool to note. Yeah, no, thank you for that. That is really cool. I've never heard of that. Um, I think just like for people who are coming into this with zero mikvah knowledge, like traditionally, the mikvah is used and like said in the Torah to be used like around um, people who menstruate their menstruation and like 
cleansing or purifying them because something about menstruation is like signaled to be impure um, and like literally taking people who are menstruating out of like the village or the community and like having them cleanse themselves in the mikvah before re-entering to like get the impurity of menstruation off. And also I do, I think as like, as conversion came up, like that was another like very like common space that it was used. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, like I've, I've heard those be the most common, like traditional uses of the mikvah. Um, and that is sort of like where it's been grounded, which is why all of this like reimagining of the mikvah is so cool and so interesting because like, yeah, like you said, the idea behind like using any sort of natural element just feels very Jewish. Um, I feel like we ground a lot of things in the world around us and nature. Um, and I, I feel like part of that is because like it can be done anywhere if it's grounded in nature because like that exists wherever you might be. Um, the actual Hebrew word mikvah means hope, um, which is really beautiful. And it refers to this idea of like living waters, um, which is really beautiful. Like, so like traditional mikvahs are like around immersing yourself in a body of natural water. And even with human made mikvahs, there needs to be an element, theoretically, there needs to be an element of natural water. Um, so like it has to either like flow into the little like pool through like gravity. So it's like by natural means. Um, and basically like there's a prayer that's said, a set of prayers, like depending on whatever reason you're there. And then you like fully immerse yourself three times. Like also, you know, giving like, makes me think of like baptism and like immersing ourselves in water for like transformation. Um, and so obviously with like the traditional usage and like usage in Orthodox communities around ministration, it was like criticized as being really misogynistic. Um, however, like this has sort of shifted in the last, I mean, I'm sure that people were using it differently forever. It's always weird for me to say like in the last X amount of years, because like something doesn't start when we start to name it, but like in terms of naming it, like, probably in the last, I don't know, like few decades, there's been like movements around mikvah as a ritual, like reimagining it to be feminist, to be queer, to be like a form of disability justice, um, to be also like thinking about climate justice. Like all of these things were things that came up um, in my research. And there are like so many different ways we can use these things and there are a lot of different like organizations and places that have popped up in the last x amount of years um to sort of address these like new ways of using the mikvah um and so i have like some notes on like different way like different mikvah usages that i thought were really interesting um the first is, of course, and I feel like this is the one that's come up the most for us is like using it for like trans folks using the mikvah and trans folks using the mikvah as like a transitioning ritual um, and like this creation of like queer Jewish ritual going back towards like our conversation about queering Judaism. Um, so using it to like recognize gender transitioning or affirm that and there are actually like 
folks like trans rabbis who have created different prayers around like the spe- like the specificity of like using the mikvah for that sort of like transformation um i also read a piece talking about like climate change and the mikvah and how like really thinking about the way that like women historically have been very tied to nature and so like this connection between like people who menstruate their bodies and the mikvah like the water specifically like brings up those ideas of like feminine people nurturing and caring for our earth and with that being thought about like the way that like the same way we want spiritual access to the mikvah in a way that's not harmful like we also want to maintain like everyone's access to water like just water access in general throughout the world um and thinking about you know how like not everyone the same way historically not everyone has had access to the mikvah in a way that's like affirming and positive like there are plenty of places even in our own country that like don't have access to clean water um still like after years and years and years (laughs) flint and so like that was like a really interesting interpretation of like how we can think about the mikvah um and also oh this one is really cool too i read a few different posts about like the mikvah as like healing and like being used as a healing mechanism a few specifically about like healing from sexual assault um healing from like doing cycles of IVF which can be like really taxing on your body which is in vitro fertilization um and like people really using this ritual to reclaim their power to take back their power to come back into their bodies um which I thought was like really moving and really beautiful um and the other one that I think was really interesting was there is um this framing around using the mikvah for people with disabilities uh and like how this specific mikvah mayim hayim which is open waters has like made sure that their mikvah is inclusive for all jewish people and they sort of walk in this documentary like it's very short they like walk the viewer through like how their space is like physically accessible for people with different disabilities um which was also really interesting because i do think that so frequently like we leave disabled folks out of our conversations around like access and marginalization and so um to see it like very explicitly brought up around the mikvah was really really cool um and i wanted to bring that into the space um yeah so there are like all of these incredible ways that we can make use of the mikvah that like fall outside of its traditional ways and there are so many different places doing that like i was talking about immerse nyc in the beginning that's a mikvah in new york that sort of does this um mayim hayim i can't remember i think they're located in massachusetts but i think that they might have multiple locations um also i posted on our story earlier as like a little sneak peek um the queer mikvah project and they've been doing their work since maybe like 2015 maybe earlier i, I know that their first the first time they hosted something was 2015. Um, 
And so like these are definitely accessible and around us. Um, and I also know that Queer Maker Project was doing like Zoom rituals, which is really interesting. So yeah. something to look into for people. Um, the only other thing I wanted to know before I passed off to you after just talking for like 10 minutes um, is something that I picked up on when I was originally doing this research. And so I don't, I don't know that this is the same now, but um, like the cost of going to a mikvah was like, sort of didn't seem to coincide with these ideas of accessibility and like everyone being able to use it. Um, yeah, the costs were typically like 90 plus dollars, um, or like 200 plus dollars. Uh, and like, I saw there was someone who was offering like $150 low income sessions and like $150 doesn't really feel like a session that's affordable to someone who is considered low income. Um, I think even at the time that I looked immerse was like, 30 to 60 which is a lot more reasonable um but I say that as someone who like does have a certain level of disposable income and so like you know thinking about how we can maybe make that even more accessible what like how can we ensure that there is no like monetary block to using a mikvah that is my mikvah spiel love that I love the mikvah spiel um I think that's really important what you brought up the barriers still to mikvah usage because um you're right. Like, yeah, like we could over romanticize it, but there are some real issues mm -hmm. with it. Um, I I think I did listen to something about Mayim Haim, um, but talking about how specifically that practice too of um, they're they're really working hard to personalize the mikvah because like all Jewish mm -hmm. institutions, sometimes mikvahs end up being like you're waiting in a line like out the door mm -hmm. to be like having this big spiritual experience, which is like not the point. So. I think, yeah. yeah, what, like, kind of tailoring the experience is also super important. Um, I, yeah, just listening to you say all this, like, I feel like the mikvah is kind of very representative of the the best of Judaism and the worst of Judaism. <laughs> like, at its yeah. worst, it's this, like, pseudo-scientific blood thing that's, like, gross, go in there and get better. And then in the, the best, it could be, like, this this incredibly healing, transformative, powerful space that we are able to redefine in this way. So I, I think, yeah, just, just reflecting on that, that like, this is some of the best things that we do. And I think, like you said, like, we're still kind of just like, at the surface of what this could be as a transformative um, kind of feature of our religion and, and opening it up to people from other religions and people who are not religious and saying like, this is a, a way to, I was reading more about the queer mitzvah, uh, mikvah project and how they were saying that, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's an acknowledgement of nature and it's acknowledgement of land and it's not specifically, mm -hmm. you know, has to be about worshiping God. So right. anyway, all of that to say it's incredible. And I'm, I'm so like honored to be alive at this time when all of these variations are coming about and I'm grateful that people are doing this. Yeah. And also like when you were talking, it made me think of like, just even like reimagining the, the like reclaiming the traditional usage, like, to have the agency and make the active choice to be like, actually, I want to honor my menstrual cycle. And I, I do want to go to a mikvah when I'm menstruating, but like for myself and because I want to honor like that embodied experience because like menstruation is, can be really beautiful. And um, like 
really powerful and moving for a lot of people. So like also honoring the ways in which people are just sim simply reclaiming it around its like traditional mode, not even maybe like reimagining it so much, um, which is also super cool. So yeah, I have a document that has a lot of sources and then basically like an essay that I wrote about the mikvah that if people are interested, I can share or I can just put the resources somewhere. But yeah, we should I put will... it on our website. Sorry, that's a side conversation, but I'm saying it right now. So, <laughs> okay, well, maybe you'll see it on our website at some point. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what we have for y'all today on the mikvah. And we would love to hear like if you've had a mikvah experience or like engaged in any of these like reimagined mikvahs. And I'll follow up on my hopefully my mikvah experience that's upcoming. I can't wait. Thanks, y'all. See you soon. Bye.